Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The bye week is officially over. The Steelers have returned to practice, and we've got some things to talk about, specifically when it comes to the young pups, when it comes to the rookies. Mm. Joey Porter Jr., big interception against the Baltimore Ravens before the bye week on... Someone you might have heard of. His name is Mr. Odell Beckham Jr. Pretty decent wide receiver. Maybe past his prime. But that's still somebody you're lining up across against as a rookie, and you're kind of pinching yourself a little Mm -hmm. bit. This is the same dude that when I was in high school, or even earlier than that, if you're Joey Porter Jr., I saw him make that crazy one-handed catch against the Cowboys. and. Who knows? Joey Porter Jr. might have been in high school at that point. That was like six, oh, seven years oh, ago. Oh, you and I were in college, but Joey Porter Jr. was I mean. probably younger. Yeah. Collinsworth is going bananas, and now you're lining up against this guy, and you tell him to go home and be a family man. You make the interception, uh, and, and you give the Steelers to go so much home momentum. and be a family man. Do you see him on the sidelines, the NFL films yes, coverage? Where he's, he's like, Strap that ass up. So that's like your first big, big test and you pass with flying colors and then some. You create a turnover and the team desperately needed. You're going to lose that game even if the Ravens just kicked a field goal at that situation. And then Broderick Jones gets his start against the Ravens because of the Dan Moore injury and he doesn't like allow a single pressure or maybe one pressure allowed. It looks fantastic in pass blocking, good in run blocking. Um, the hiccups that we saw from him when he would have you know, spot duty here or there, or he had to come in for Dan Moore in relief of the injury a couple of weeks ago. It looked night and day compared to when he had an actual full week of right. prep as the of left course. tackle. He dominated. He played so well against Baltimore. And now they're both back on the bench. Mm. And that's where we start today because that's really a head scratcher. I think we both kind of wanted them to play from the jump this year, mm-hmm. wanted talent to finally rise to the top and, mm-hmm. and get its opportunity to play without, you know, having putting to the training earn a wheels spot, on right, as a rookie. Sure, you know, you don't overwhelm them too much and you bring them along slowly and you don't want to ruin their career by throwing them into the fire too fast. So I get that that's the Steelers' way and I get, you know, you have faith in Wallace and Peterson. You have faith in Moore to have them be the starters at the beginning of the season. But just, I I really would like to have somebody from the staff sit me down and, and explain to me why they still have faith in those guys and why, more importantly, they aren't rewarding the good play from the rookies behind them, specifically Porter and Jones. And I think you could throw Benton in there too because even with a Hayward injury, his snap count hasn't gone up to the volume that I think we all wanted to or expected it to. So that's really where I'm at as the momentum for Rams week starts to build. Tomlin speaks today. It's it's back to a normal week. Why? And I hope someone asks him this is, is what is the re not that he'll give you the real answer, but what is the real reason to put a guy back on the bench who didn't really allow any pressures last week against a good defense in Baltimore? 
to put a guy back on the bench, uh, to have him only play in nickel-dime situations after he made an interception that quite literally gave your team new life in that mm-hmm. game. I mean, there's just so many angles, Jacob, where it just you can't make it make sense. Because not only what I just talked about there with the young guys playing well, gassing them up based on their own play, the people in front of them have been playing poorly. So it's not a matter of, you know, Moore and Wallace and Peterson are playing okay, and some rookies have shown flashes in small sample sizes, and the coaches have to be like, well, it's a very small sample size. You know, we're still not comfortable putting them into that bigger role, and we don't think that, you know, what you've seen in the small sample size will translate towards the bigger role. It's not even that because the guys in front of them aren't even playing okay. They're playing bad. Right. So you combine them playing poorly with the sample size you've seen from all these rookies looking good. This math doesn't add up. There's just, there's, it doesn't make, and maybe they're just, you know, lip, giving us lip service. And once we get closer to Rams game and the week rolls on, you'll see Jones with the first team and you'll see Porter on the outside and base package. But I, I tend to think that you're going to have, you're going to turn on your TV at 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, and when the offense runs out there, Dan Moore is going to be a left tackle, and you're only going to see Joey Porter Jr. in the dime or the nickel. And it's just going to be the same as it ever was, and it's getting more and more absurd as you mm-hmm. roll along in the season and the more you see from these rookies. Yeah, I think one one thing that everyone points out is the small sample size that you've seen from Broderick Jones and Joey Porter Jr. saying, well, it's only been a little bit in flashes that you haven't seen them really out there for a whole game. Well, what have you seen in a bigger sample size from Dan Moore Jr. and Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace? You've seen worse play. So why are you less comfortable putting out guys because of a small sample size with good play, but from a bigger sample size of poor play from those three guys that have been starting because of veteranship? Why, how, where, does that add? where does that math come from? Yeah, I, I again like if they were playing just okay, then I think I could justify it because you you want to ride the experience, but the experience is is costing you right now, and just you know servicing players because they've been in the league longer than other players is it's getting close to being a little bit of malpractice, and I hate to say that about this coaching staff, but there is just so much obvious evidence pointing towards these kids have to play. They're better than the people in front of them, and they give your team a better chance to win the game. I mean, Jones not really allowing any pressures against Baltimore helped the Steelers win that game. Joey Porter Jr. speaks for itself. That interception quite literally turned the game around for the Steelers, gave them another chance when it looked like the life had completely left their bodies. So you, you see small sample size get bigger and bigger and bigger in these two Jones and Porter specifically continue to check every box as you throw more towards them. Now you get into a bye week. You have uh, 12, 13 days between games. This is such a good opportunity to make that switch official now, give them an extra couple of days of practice in the run-up to becoming a starter, to becoming that outside corner, to becoming that starting left tackle. And for them to kind of just pass on it, and work Dan Moore back into the fold after an injury and to keep Wallace and Peterson on the outside and base and not using Porter as your cornerback one, which he really should be at this mm-hmm. point. 
I think you can tell the tone from this episode. Like, it's just confusion. Like, I don't know why. I don't know what the logical explanation is. And I'm really struggling right now as we do this episode to try to, to stumble upon it because nothing <laughs> makes sense. If more starts against the Rams and if those two corners start on the outside against the Rams, it just it just doesn't make sense. And no matter what answer you get today from Tomlin or from the coordinators later in this week or Austin saying, you know, I still don't think I'm that comfortable with, with Joey Porter Jr. out there. Or they keep referencing his tackling as maybe a reason why he's not out there. No matter what answer you get leading up to this game, I, it's just not going to be a good enough answer for me. It, it's not going to make sense. No, it's going to be reminiscent of after the Houston loss when Mike Tomlin said there's going to be change. And then two days later on Tuesday, he expressed those changes would be levels of physicality played or used during practice, not actual lineup changes or even potentially coaching changes. Uh, it's just kind of one of, I, I hope it's more just coach speak, how you alluded to earlier. Maybe they're just kind of doing their due diligence by not necessarily saying to to Levi and Pat Pete and, and Dan Moore that you're no longer part of this team. But it, it does sound like that's not what they're doing. It sounds like Broderick Jones and Joey Porter Jr. will most likely not start on Sunday. And I really can't make sense of it either because – it's you. You mentioned earlier. It's not like Joey Porter Jr. and Broderick Jones have been playing well, and Pat Pete and Levi and Dan Moore Jr. have been playing okay. Yeah. Not not killing you. Then I would say, okay, well, you know what? If everyone's playing well, then yeah, it's let them all ease in together. That's fine. Even though it would still be harder to say. Because you you use a first round draft pick essentially on both guys. You did for Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Trade Jr. Thirty second over, Jones. right? Thirty second overall pick for Joey Porter Jr. You essentially had two first round draft picks that you're keeping on the sidelines. But you, I, you traded up for Broderick Jones. You spent capital to jump in front of the Jets because you knew the Jets were going to take him, and you snatched him up yourself to not have him play against somebody mm-hmm. that you picked in the fourth round, right? But I want to. I want to take the. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And I want to. I want to kind of take the alternate route. You said it's not like, bro, or I'm sorry, Pat, Pete, and Levi, and and Dan were all playing okay. No, they're not. Playing, they're playing poorly. Playing and it's not. And I'll say this: it's not like those guys are playing poorly. And when Joey Porter Jr. and Broderick Jones have been inserted into the starting lineup, they've also shown right, like weaknesses or good. rookie kind of tendencies and mistakes. No, they've been playing at an NFL level. I actually would argue that Broderick Jones has looked worse when he has like a backup role and he comes in for Dan Moore or he well, comes in as that, a six No, that lineman. was completely evident versus Houston and versus Baltimore. Yeah, like, Houston, when he came in as a backup versus Baltimore, when he had the entire week to start, with, when he had the entire week to play with the starters, started uh, started the game as a starter. He was the best offensive lineman yeah, right. last week. And, you know, even in week one, week two, week three, he's gotten some spot stuff and has looked just bad. Like, I remember Williamson coming back and being like, Jones didn't look great as far as pass blocking was concerned. But, dude, maybe he needs that buildup. I mean, this guy, I know he wasn't a starter the entire time he was at Georgia, but it didn't take him long to get to that starting spot in Georgia. Um, Maybe he's just a guy that needs that week of prep. He needs that, you know, 
practice with the four other offensive linemen to really bring him up to the level that he's supposed to be at. And now you're putting him back into the second team and you're putting mm-hmm. him back into a spot where he's not going to get as you're, many reps. You're, you're he's potentially... not going to get chemistry built with the starters. Mm-hmm. And then if Dan Moore isn't cutting the mustard on Sunday or if he gets hurt, God forbid, again, and you have to throw Jones back out there, maybe you have the Jones against Houston because he didn't have that full week of prep leading up to it. Maybe not as bad because he does have a, a start under his belt in the NFL right. now. Right, I was just going to say that. But I just let this – more than Porter Jr., even though I think they're both neck and neck mm-hmm. as far as how crucial it is for them to play, I think more than Porter Jr., you just got to let Roger Jones take this spot now, and it's his for the foreseeable future. And Dan Moore, we can – you know, you'll be the sixth man as that offensive line is concerned. Somebody goes down, you're jumping right back in maybe we can toy around with maybe moving you to guard, too, in the future. I'm with you because even though I'm not happy that Joey Porter Jr. hasn't had a start yet, you started Broderick Jones, and you sh- and he showed what you can do, what he can do as a starter. So why take a step backwards after taking a step in the right direction, getting working him into that starting lineup? Maybe you wouldn't have done it if Dan Moore Jr. hadn't gone down in Houston, sure. But here, like, are you really going to be so upset that the guy you took – that you traded up for in the draft is performing at that first-round draft pick caliber level, you're going to say, oh, well, sure, he's doing fine, but, you know, he's still the rookie. If you like Dan Moore so much, why did you take a tackle in the first round? Why right. did you think that you needed to not only use your first-round pick on that position, but you needed to get a better first-round pick using capital to move up to draft that position? If If Dan Moore was this good to the point where – he is playing not well, gets hurt, gets replaced. His replacement plays a thousand times better than you've seen him play all year. He returns from the injury list and jumps right back into his starting spot. If he's that good in your eyes, then why did you take Broderick Jones? And I'll tell you why you took Broderick Jones. Because you know Dan Moore's not, that, not that, good that good in your eyes. So what gives? Do you not want this guy to get Wally pipped and lose his job because of injury? I mean... The writing's on the wall, man. Like, Moore was going to lose his job sooner or later, mm-hmm. and maybe the injury sped that up a little bit. You know, maybe you expected Dan Moore to hold this down for most of the season, and then you make the transition next year at the end of this year. Injuries forced you to throw Broderick Jones in there, and he looked great doing it. So are you just – you you don't want to tell the guy he lost his job because he, he didn't have a, a chance to compete for it last week with his injury? I mean, this is the NFL. I'm so sorry that you might have to, you know, crack a couple eggs to make your omelet. You might have to hurt a guy's feelings. Tell him he's not the starter anymore, even though, what did I do to lose my job? I just got hurt. That sucks, man. Right. But that happens all the time in the world of sport. And, again, even if he didn't get hurt, I, I have to think it was only a matter of time before – you know, the practices showed the coaching staff that Jones deserved more playing time than more. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, I'll, I'll try to equate this the best I can. It's not like the Eagles with Jalen Carter. The Eagles are sitting at nine, and oh my God, Jalen Carter fell into our lap. We'd be so stupid not to pick him. The Steelers traded up because they were worried that a tackle that they wanted was not going to be there, which meant no matter what, they were eyeing a tackle for their first overall selection, whether that was... Maybe the first overall selection or at pick 32, they wanted to take some kind of first-round talent at the tackle position. And they saw that the situation was getting so dire, tackles were falling off the board. They traded up to get 
Broderick Jones. It wasn't like he fell in their lap and they said, oh, well, we can't pass on this guy. Obviously not. Like like uh, Rashawn Slater for the San Diego Chargers from a couple couple years ago, right? He fell, what, 10 spots or 5 spots early in that first round. The Chargers said to themselves, we weren't really looking to get help on the offensive line this early, but we really can't pass up on him. And look how much of a help he's been. The Steelers traded up to get Broderick Jones because they knew they were desperate at that position. Not necessarily just with Dan Moore Jr., but Chuksakora for also isn't a an all-star or a pro bowler, right? So they knew they needed some help no, I mean, in, I, I think Broderick some Jones level. takes that position away from Dan Moore, and Dan Moore can take that position away from Chooks. Mm-hmm. Like it's not I'm not like punting on Dan Moore completely. No, it's it's the fact that the Steelers knew they needed assistance at that position. And that's why they went out and traded up for Broderick Jones. Right. And now that he's starting games, it makes no sense to take him out of that starting lineup. Starting games and starting a game well against a rival mm-hmm. in a game that you needed to win. I mean, you don't want to call it a must win in just the fifth game of the season. Fine, you don't have to. But if they were sitting at two and three instead of three and two in this bye week, it would have looked a lot different uh, as far as the rest of the but season. But given given this team, though, Tom, don't you? Fe- and and yeah, you don't want to say a a, a, a game is ha- is a must win this early. But don't you feel like with this team? Almost every week you have to consider a must win. Like yeah, the margin is LA, very thin. For LA is no slouch. You know, we came into the season saying, oh, well, Matt Stafford's not going to heal properly and Cooper Cup's still not back in and that defense is so inexperienced and Aaron Donald isn't the same guy. LA's doing okay. LA is on the potential to be a wild card team, a seven seeder or six seeder, maybe even the eight seed in 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 the NFC. They might just be on that cusp of making or missing the playoffs this year. That's not that's no team when you're going on the road to the West Coast. That's no team you can just sl- like shrug off and say, "Oh, we have this one handled because we have the bye week under our pouch and everything. We were well rested." No, this is a tough LA Rams team who clearly Cooper Cup is back to form. Yeah, it didn't take him even any time to warm back. And when you consider that, with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, the speed and physicality that it takes to guard not just one, but both of those guys, and you're going to say to yourself, well, we're probably better off with Joey Porter Jr. coming off the bench in in small packages here. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of it, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to point game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. With that, too, sh- the, in small windows, the here. big reason that Austin, the defensive coordinator, keeps harping on and the Steelers keep harping on is Joey Porter Jr.'s ability to tackle. Um, it's not at the NFL level yet, and they're worried about him exposing the team because of his inability to tackle efficiently. Two things about that. One, 
Do you really care if your corner tackles if he's a great cover corner? Do you remember? Do you remember right. all the people talking about how great Deion Sanders was at tackling people? Oh, he sucked. At I've never heard. He didn't I've, try no, to tackle never, people. Never. Like in today's NFL, you know, sure, being able to be a run supporting corner is a tool that can help. But if you're a CB one and your bread and butter is coverage, who cares if you can't tackle? I mean. Yeah, you'll have to you'll get beat every once in a while and you might have to make an open field tackle on the receiver that beat you. But like most of the time, dude, like you're not even needing to make a tackle cuz you're spat, swatting the ball away. Your coverage is perfect. Mm-hmm. You're you're making an interception. So I I don't understand why it's so necessary for Porter to be this all-pro tackling machine in the NFL. And then on the other side of that coin, Pat, Pete, and Levi Wallace putting on a tackling clinic out there every Sunday? No. no, they're not. The Texans' game plan was designed to double Highsmith, double Watt, run to that side with a physical back like Damian Pierce, get one-on-ones with the corners, Peterson, Wallace, and and they abused them. They, they ran them over. P- Peterson doesn't want to tackle. He has no interest in it. And Wallace, you know, either just can't do it or barely has an interest in tackling. And the Texans attacked that. It goes back to the point that we started this episode with. Even if you want to bring your rookies along slowly, your veterans are playing very porously. And you worry that you live in your fears kind of with, well, the rookies might go out there and JPJ might not make an open field tackle and there's a home run touchdown that he gives up. Or Broderick Jones might you know, miss a block or miss an audible and, and Kenny gets killed. Like, oh, we, we just we worry that a rookie's going to make a rookie mistake and really hurt us. It's like, dude the veterans are making rookie mistakes and really hurting you. So it's time to try something different and to inject some of that youth into the lineup. If the mistakes are going to be made regardless, I'd rather them be made by, you know, people learning on the job and people with higher ceilings than anybody, than than the starters in front of them. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really strange when you look at, just plainly look at the play of those outside corners and say to yourself, well, we trust them getting the the receivers to the ground more than we do Joey Porter Jr., so that's what we're going to base our decision off of. I don't know. That's like that. being like a, a single-issue voter. I don't know right? what. You, you, <laughs> you find something that you really care about, you ignore every other politician or political issue out there, and you say whatever guy or girl likes this or, or votes in this direction the same way I do, that's who I'm going to vote for. But they're bad, they're bad at tackling too, though. Exactly. Like, just, that's what doesn't make sense. So even if they were a single-party voter or a single-issue voter, the candidates that they're voting for don't even practice the issue that they want. Like mm-hmm. They don't even do that well. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but my <laughs> point is just like, if you're going to stump for Peterson and Wallace and say the reason why Porter doesn't get in is because his tackling is inefficient, you got to look at Peterson and Wallace too and question their tackling ability because it stinks. It stinks. Peterson can't be much worse at that aspect of the game, and I think he's already better at coverage. That Pete's going to the Hall of Fame one day, but mm-hmm. as of right now, Porter's better at coverage than both of those guys are. Right now, you, you, and- you don't know for sure that he's not better at tackling than those guys are. Right. They aren't good at tackling right now. I mean, people want to draw up that play where Porter Jr. could have been of more assistance to Chandon Sullivan on that drop touchdown pass to Nelson Aguilar last week against the Ravens. But I, like that's just that's so dumb to me because you're saying, well, Joey Porter Jr. could have helped more. Chandon Sullivan was the covered guy. Like, 
I've never seen people kind of rush to blame someone for something that wasn't their fault. When do you double the slot? And when do you double right. Nelson Aguilar? Right. Like, Shannon Sullivan got burnt like toast on that play. There's no way Joey Porter Jr. I mean, maybe because he's a good corner, he recovers and helps out his his dude. Okay, maybe when you give him more playing time and he's he, able to he recognize the, the play. The yeah, mental. He sees that a couple times and he says, you know. Shandon's probably going to get burned here a little bit. I think my guy's going to stop short. Maybe, you know, play a little zone. Maybe drop back a little bit, help Shandon out. You're right. Maybe the experience helps him out in that aspect. Um, But there's just no one in the secondary not named Minka playing well right now. No starter in the secondary not named Minka playing well. The safeties, KZ and Neal, aren't playing well. Sullivan's not playing well. Peterson and Wallace aren't playing well. Do you think it's outlandish to say that Joey Porter Jr. is the best, the second best defensive back on the team right he now? He is the second best mm-hmm. defensive back on the team right now. Uh, people who, and I don't know if there are any of these people out there anymore that exist, but people who will argue in favor of the Steelers' decision here will just point to sample size. That's the only thing you have mm-hmm. right now to point to is, well, sample size isn't there. But as you keep increasing the sample size, he keeps passing. Right. So With every given week, that sample size increases. And he plays better. And he plays consistently. What more do you need to see? Mm-hmm. Does he need to tackle like the coaching staff on their way to the practice field today and just say, like, look, I can tackle. I'm, I'm good at it. What do you possibly – what is going to be that – aha moment for the coaching staff that puts Porter out there if it's not the pick against OBJ against the Ravens. The pick against OBJ, just his overall coverage. I, I, I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. His, his passer rating allowed against in that Ravens it was like zero. 0.0. Zero. Zero. He didn't allow a single completion. Mm-hmm. His rating, as far as corners are concerned, and again, the sample size, you can say that, oh, how do you know that he's that good when he only plays uh, as few snaps? He's, like, rated as one of the best corners in all of football. It, and you see this class was really touted for corners. Mm-hmm. And you see other corners oh, yeah. in the class making plays already. I mean, we watched you watched that Seattle and, uh, I know, and, and, and I Cincinnati know game. CB1. You watched Devin Witherspoon play all day. I know he in the class, Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. He was the top dog. But he's one of the better players on Seattle's defense already. Right. Deion Banks, Deontay Banks, Deontay is Banks, already yep. playing for the Giants. Uh, Christian Gonzalez for the mm-hmm. Patriots, already playing and playing a big role. The only saving grace on that entire New England Patriots team is Christian Gonzalez. It might be. Right now. Uh, he won offensive or defensive rookie of the month last month. Uh, Weatherspoon could easily win defensive rookie of the year with those with the way that he's playing. Mm-hmm. Jalen Carter will have something to say about that as well up front. But you know, it's just. It makes you even more frustrated when, when you see these other teams from this class, this cornerback using class, their cornerbacks, and they're they're good. Enough. Brian Branch, another one. Mm-hmm. I know he's kind of a safety corner mix, but these guys are playing these young secondary pieces out of a loaded class, and they're playing well. And Porter Junior's playing well too. Porter Junior might be the best of <laughs> all of we them don't in know. that class until we get the sample size mm-hmm. to where it should be. We're not going to know. I mean. Witherspoon is getting all of the praise and the flowers, and he should, but I think Porter could be right there with him as far as who's the top dog from this draft class. At least based on what I've seen so far, if you extrapolate out his performance, I I think he would be right there with a Devin Witherspoon. So we start the the, the second half of the Steelers season with more frustration and more confusion because that just seems to be the theme of the 2023 Pittsburgh (laughs) Steelers. A lot of head scratching going on from a lot of puzzling moments. The people watching this team, 
They do get some reinforcements back, though. Uh, Deontay's back, Fryermuth's back, Anthony McFarland's back as well. So we'll get into those guys returning from injury in the next episode, and we'll also take a look kind of at the Rams and what they probably feel like they are right now in the uh, wake of their Super Bowl win and, you know, losing all of those assets and losing those draft picks from those teams. It's it's a bit of a, a, a wasteland from the Super Bowl champion Rams to the Rams of now. They still have some pretty good players on that team, though, and still a dangerous team. So we'll get into all that next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opperman. This is the Steelers Standard.